Dingers podcast is proudly brought to you by the Sport Travel Radio Network. Check out other podcasts like Tournament Talk for great sport-related content. Now, it's time for Dingers. Coach Kent's five keys to hitting Dingers. Number one, wear an obnoxious chain. Number two, have a hog in. Number three, grab your junk. Number four, stare the pitcher down. Number five, swing as hard as possible. Ty, it's time for dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Raphael Devers that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we are delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs and joining me again this evening is Robbie Baseball. How you doing this evening, Robbie? I'm good. Thank you. I appreciate your little Devers knockoff. Right, the segways, that's what we do here. He's a- yeah, he's a very popular guy in my world, apparently. Well, what do you really <laughs> think about him? I think it's a great time to trade Raphael Devers and everybody else can go ahead I and disagree. Res- I respectfully what, uh, disagree. Oh, well, I appreciate your respectful disagreement. Thank you very much. You are one of yeah. the few. Tip of the cap to you for your thoughts, but thank you. <laughs> Which is a, a, a friendly reminder that uh, my Twitter handle is at RobbieBaseball1. The podcast is at DingersPod. And Ty, you are at TourneyBoss. That's right. I mean, the, the, the Twitterverse can be a mean and ugly place, but we're talking fancy baseball. Opinions are opinions. I mean, seasons are, are won and lost based on how you feel about certain players. So do your thing. We respect it. Doesn't mean that that's how we're going to do our, our jam, but let's let's dive right in here. Uh, I mean, we went obviously off the radar and off the reservation last week a little bit with our our homer uh, positioning on the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think you know once the dust settles, still think they screwed it up real bad. But across the industry, a lot of people are saying they could have, would have, should have got a better return based on what they saw from everybody by the time everything was over. But at the end of the day, all we're going to hear about now is how great Simeon Woods is going to be. And that's just going to be our life. But hey, Ty, everything's good. They picked up Godley. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's ever been a name that is more perfect to be a savior, it is Zach Godley. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's say it how it is. I mean, this guy is going to come in and, and just do exactly what the rest of the, the starting rotation is and get dumped on. Um, I mean, Waggis Pack is doing a great job in his couple of starts here. He's on, he's on the roll that, that he's on, but I just don't think we're going to get that from 
some of the other guys here coming in. So we will see how that all plays out. But, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, Zach Godley is not the answer. Uh, so say that your fantasy season is in peril because you've just lost your third baseman tie and everybody is coming at you with offers in dynasty formats. What is your, what are, who are your top five hope to acquire guys now that you've been put in this situation where whoever your third baseman was is now gone. And I'm going to let you know how wrong you are if you make the wrong decision right now. Now I won't say you need to rank them one through five, just five, five guys that you think this is going to do it for me. And we're talking dynasty. We're always talking dynasty redraft is for um, people who are looking at the hot hand. We're looking at the long term here. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's a couple easy ones, uh, and I think there's a couple on the fence ones. So I'll get the easy ones out of the way. I think you got to be thinking about uh, Alex Bregman, obviously at or near the top. Uh, Nolan Arenado, for me, is the other obvious one. And then there's there's arguments to be had. A lot of people are going to put Anthony Rendon in the top. I just think he's a guy that, you know, has some potential to to have a – a downside or a cliff in his career just because he doesn't have huge power. Um, that's a guy fantasy-wise I could see falling off. So for me, he, he's probably a lock in a lot of people's minds. I'm not going to put him as a lock in the top five. I just don't see him there. And so I, you wouldn't be looking towards him as an ideal target. He would be a secondary. I mean, anybody that says they don't want Anthony Rendon on their team is an idiot. But in terms of locking in a top five for the future – Right. I just, I'm I'm uncertain on Rendon because I just don't know where that cliff is. Um, But so Bregman, Arenado are are two. For me, the guy that I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on is is Yamankata. There's a guy that I think he still has power behind him and I think his team's going to get better around him. So I think that one's a no brainer. Uh, Depending on how you feel about, you know, dominating singular categories, that's where we get tricky. So for me, um, Manny Machado's got to be in there as as a as a top five guy and that's that's pretty much for me the locks uh, third base gets really really shallow so four locks that. yeah um assuming that you forgot all about vladdy uh who's the obvious number five for me um okay there we go that's i was that, wondering if you were gonna miss him because he's not when you look at the ranks for a third baseman he's nowhere to be found uh very much like jose ramirez who you did forget um however that's because we're looking at a current in-season rank through Yahoo in an eight by eight format. I'm still not putting Jose Ramirez in my top five. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't think he's going to, I think he's now going to become this like white ghost because he had basically one year where he was really bad, but it happened to be the second half of last season and the first half of this season. But that doesn't mean he's going to come back and be the Jose Ramirez we had seen prior to that. So I would only make the change of, I would actually put Chris Bryant in. So my five would be, um, I do have Rendon in, in the five. I do have Bregman in it. I do have Arenado. I do have Vlad, and I do have Bryant in it. So I believe that Chris Bryant is the perfect case of somebody who everybody has forgotten about. And he might be very much like his teammate, uh, Mike Rizzo, who everybody just kind of like, eh, you know, he's good. But he's not good. He's, he's great. Mike Rizzo. Sorry, Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> like, as soon as I said, I'm like, that ain't right. <laughs> That's why we have editing, but we won't get rid of that. <laughs> no, it just makes for great, great banter. Yeah, Mike Rizzo. Well, you know, if you pick him up, uh, let me know <laughs> how Mike Rizzo. But, but yeah, Anthony Rizzo. Um, 
Chris Bryan is who I was talking about. Uh, he's very much like a like an Anthony Rizzo, or maybe you can just like plug him in, and everybody's taking advantage of the fact. But guy's batting 285, OPS is over 900. Uh, you know, he's got 100 Ks, 55 walks, so he's not crushing you in those two categories. But also, he's only had so far this year 400 plate appearances. Now, obviously, neither of us mentioned Devers, um, who I think may even have the most. Uh, at bats right now for anybody third base eligible. Uh, Machado's just over 400 and Devers is almost approaching 460, probably will by the time this airs. And like, you know, again, Devers is career highs and everything. And um, I just, I don't see him as being in the top five at this point for dynasty for me. I also don't make harsh decisions at this point in time over uh, what a player's done up to this point this year, because anybody who has played fantasy before should be able to put a list of two or three guys together who have absolutely screwed you after you made an acquisition this time of the year because they fall off a cliff. And right now, uh, Devers is reaching the point that is new for him, which is career uh, at-bat totals, and he's eclipsing everything. So let's see how he does down the stretch before. Um, who's that? It was the old Cleveland coach, or it was the Arizona coach who said, you want to crown their ass? Go ahead and crown them. Oh, yeah, Dennis Green. Thank you. They are who we thought they were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because everybody just wants to jump on the Devers bandwagon. of Everybody knew he was going to be great. He was on every prospect list. He was uh, the best guy in baseball ever, and we all should have known it and just ignore 2018. Well, I mean, the reality is too, like the kid is still fairly young. Like I think, absolutely. you know, we're not giving up on him. We're just not ready to crown him, Right. And that's, that's ultimately the difference. We want to see a bigger sample. I mean, let's, let's say it how it is. Like you've shifted a little bit on Makata. He's still not your favorite guy in the world, but you were a hater last year. Now you're at least open-minded. It, 100%. it could still happen, but at the same time, um, you know, there's definitely some things that, that you and I have talked a lot about off, off the air. Uh, about Raphael Devers and potential downside on the long term. You know, as we said earlier in the season. Baseball side, not necessarily, sorry, the baseball part of it, not necessarily the fantasy part of it, because as you had said in one of our conversations, this isn't the late 90s. Hitting dingers isn't going to save your career. We saw that happen, what, three and four years ago when guys were hitting 40, 50 bombs and couldn't get an MLB contract the next year. We're not saying that about Devers. We're saying that part and parcel is there are lots of factors that go into it, especially for dynasty ranking. Just need a bigger sample size. I also want to see what happens when one of Mookie or Xander gets hurt and that lineup gets thinner, right? Like that's the other part too. Yep. Like this kid's seeing only fastballs and that's, you know, that's the thing that I, I want to see sample wise before I'm ready to say this kid's arrived. Well, I'm hopeful that somebody's going to be able to put the list together of guys that are the young up and comers in baseball because, uh, what's going to happen is Devers is going to probably be younger than all of them, except for Vladdy, because you're going to see the list. And I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure, but if, if you go off of Yahoo, I mean, everybody's third base eligible, but you're going to see guys like Senzel who have third base and Chavis who have third base, as you would pronounce him, Chavi, Javi, uh, Javi. Javi. Oh my goodness. Now, instead of a hard seat, it's getting <laughs> and soft. Javi. Um, yeah, you know, Matt Beattie might be a guy to look for. Austin Riley was somebody everybody was drooling over earlier in the year. Josh Van Meter is somebody that I do want to talk about and transition. He is not, for some reason, in Yahoo, he's not shortstop eligible, but in Fantrax he is. Um, interesting. But uh, you wanted to talk about shortstops for a little bit, and so did I, but Van Meter is my point to cross over into that because now he's got a job in Cincinnati 
excuse me, we did skip the trade deadline details, but everybody should have got that information elsewhere. So we don't need to go too deep into it. But playing time has now opened up in Cincinnati for him. So depending on your format, Van Meter's probably getting picked up across the board. I even noticed in our home league tie that somebody picked him up. And I just thought, my my goodness, what is happening? How how easy this information must be for some of the guys in our home league to be picking up Van Meter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not the sharpest, sharpest group in that home league. <laughs> And like, and it was Sandy and I was able to pick Van Meter up in, I think every league I was in, but that was like the moment he got called up. I waited because I didn't want to waste a 25 man spot on him, but he's now like, I mean, he's not even too far in. I don't even know if he's got a hundred career at bats at this point because he was playing part time. He's got 90, yeah, 90 career at bats, but over the last month, he's got 45 of those. And, and now that he's playing regularly, he's a guy that you can safely plug into your lineup and it should be rest of season. He's the everyday second baseman against right-handed pitching. And if he can continue in those games successfully against some lefties, he could just take over and Jose Peraza, who's like the great hope for everybody in the off season will take a permanent seat on that bench uh, because per, uh, sorry, Van Meter is hitting over 330. Uh, OPS over a thousand in the last month with 45 at bats, mind you, but four home runs in that time, not seeing many guys on base, but here's the big thing, eight walks, nine K's and three stolen bases. That's my kind of guy. Yep, absolutely. I mean, he's obviously a guy that is, is ready to shine with a little bit of opportunity. I mean, you highlighted him way back earlier in the season uh when so no- I the high guy on him, maybe. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. You were, you were in fairly early on him. <laughs> Um, it's not often that there's a minor leaguer that I haven't heard about and you beat me to him. Um, so that's, that's a real kudos on your part. Uh, cause you. you were in early, early, early on him. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're quite on the Devers bandwagon just yet it for Van Meter, <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll, we'll leave it there. I, I just wanted to highlight really quickly on the shortstop note, as you segued into, um, Please. is Tatis Jr. Who is just absolutely uh showcasing all of his abilities out in San Diego right now. Uh hit his 21st home run this evening, tying him with Alex Rodriguez as the only shortstop age 20 in major league history to have 20 or more home runs. So he's clearly going to eclipse that uh assuming he doesn't get hurt in 5 minutes and his season's over. Um <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that we talked about early expecting possible regression is kind of the industry chatter for Tatis Jr. And I think it's just important to note the speed guys rarely have that huge drop off. Um, he's going to make a little bit more out of it. He's just, he's a good hitter. I, I mean, a regression for him, he might not hit 325, but 295 is a very realistic. And I think the power numbers should still be there. Yeah. I mean, in, in roughly a hundred at bats over the last month, um, six home runs, 15 RBIs, only one steal, but, um, the K's are the big thing that have went up 34 K's to seven walks, but he's also a young guy learning the league, just like the league's learning him. So um, shortstop's been incredibly deep this year and it's, it's been getting kind of oddly better as the year's gone on. And the guy that I wanted to touch on was Didi Gregorius for the Yankees. Talk about a player in a, in an amazing lineup. Didi is, can be sandwiched, I guess I should say between um, Hicks, who's now on the DL and judge and he's all i think he's been hitting three four and five with regularity in new york now and i know he had a big game last week 
uh, seven RBI game. But even in the even so in the last month with and this was not with full time playing seventy eight at bats, he's got four home runs, twenty two RBIs, five walks, seven strikeouts, and his OPS is at eight hundred, and he's batting a little over two fifty, and that's that's pretty darn good for a guy who missed, I don't know, a year on the nose of baseball activity. Um, or sorry, of professional baseball, because it was around June, July last year that he went out and uh, my fantasy season began to slowly crumble in several different leagues. And looking at shortstop now, I mean, the biggest surprise for this year has to be Tatis coming up to start the year and doing all the things you just said, Ty. And a lot of guys are high BABIP guys. And like you said, it's the speed guys who do it because they can have a ball in play and get a single. It's the slower guys who might not necessarily have that same level of success, but like Cattell Marte is really broken through. It seems this year is just going to be a great year for him to cement himself. And the last month, I love seeing this 15 walks, 11 Ks in 85 at bats. Oh, beautiful. And batting 341 OPS just under 1100. My goodness. Good for you. Cattell. I, it, after being somebody who everybody kind of dismissed for years and I say years, meaning two or three, that's been a big turnaround for him. So and even Jonathan VR change of scenery. Everybody was hoping for great things last month, seven stolen bases, seven walks. The K's are still there, almost 30 K's, but he's batting about 300 OPS over 860. So there's a lot of talent at shortstop, but, um, and we had said this before too, Ty, we we're hearing the chatter now in the industry that uh, Tatis and redraft is probably going to be a, a first round pick next year. If you look at what's going on, I think once the season settles, maybe he might be, a mid second round guy. I don't know why you would jump up that high with all the depth at shortstop, but I mean, once the off season rolls around, the hype machine will start with all the different, you know, players that we need to lock into and stuff. And I mean, it hit a lot of people this year, um, especially in redraft with Vlad and people talking about taking Vlad, you know, in the top 50 in the top 75. And, you know, I did in one redraft league and I have to be perfectly honest. I got sniped two picks before with who I wanted I was struggling to think about who I wanted and I came up on the clock very quickly and I thought, ah, eh, screw it. I'll just put them in and, or, you know, draft them now and stick them on my bench. And as soon as that happened, somebody said, wow, that was early. And I said, yeah, half mistake, half, let's see. <laughs> yeah. And you know, here we are. So I think, I think next year Tatis is, is primed to be like even better, but you know, shortstop well, the only thing I would add to that is he reminds me a whole lot of Hanley Ramirez. Ooh right? Like young Hanley, like the good right, right. Hanley, the the fancy one that we all remember being an absolute rock star. Um, the numbers are eerily similar. And I mean, his stolen base numbers have certainly trailed off, but let's, you know, let's put this out there. He's a 20 year old kid coming off a hamstring injury. They're not going to run him around the base pass for fun. So he's probably on strict orders to steal only when the game is on the line. And now that they're out of the playoff run a little bit, I would assume that that's going to be completely off the table for at least another month. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, and I know Whit Merrifield has picked up his steals as soon as KC's officially out of it, um, which I mean, this year was April, but relatively speaking last year, I think it was in, in August, September where he really picked up his steals and it might be something where guys start to think to themselves, you know, maybe I can hit a milestone in a season. I have no idea if professional athletes actually think to themselves, I want to get 25 steals or 25 home runs or whatever. Um, we know that Cito Gaston really wanted John Buck to get 20 home runs once upon a time. And I forget who he was benching. If it, that was maybe Aaron Sevier breaking it, I don't know. But I just remember at one point in time, um, 
you know, players getting, trying to get to those numbers. So whether they think about it now or not, maybe, yeah, maybe in September when it would be the most critical for us, the fantasy baseball players or, who are in the playoffs or GMs, uh, maybe he'll pick it up. I'm also really hoping that Mondesi's back doing the same thing uh, and Otani can, you know, continue to steal. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting when you look across the landscape this time of the year, you don't see a lot of guys who have just absolutely crushed your season. But uh, somebody that just came to mind for me was Reese Hoskins, who has been uh, a great player overall this year. But the last month, he's batting 212, but has kept his OPS just under 800, um, but struggled mightily and, and still walking a lot, 16 walks to 20 Ks. And this is 85 at bats. But um, his season numbers are a little bit better than last year. OPS just over 900, batting average just over 250. Uh, but he's walking a little bit more, striking out a little bit less right now. And just something sums up where he's, he's not putting the ball in play enough. And maybe he's one of those Babbitt guys, like you talked about. He's not, a, he's not a fast guy. Well, I mean, for me, Babbitt is a great stat. I actually think it's a better tell for pitchers than it is for hitters. That's my personal approach on it. Um, because it is a bit of a fictional stat, right? I mean, if the, yeah, the opposing team's advanced scouts are all over where they're hitting the ball at that moment in time, it's going to impact everything else, right? So, yeah. you know, ultimately, I, I don't love that. I think it's a better indicator of pitchers getting hit hard than it is of batters hitting the ball hard. Um, just, yeah, I just don't think it's a universal stat. So, ultimately, that's how I try to dissect it a little bit. But um, it just – it is what it is. I mean, you know, the shortstop field is is amazing right now because you've got guys that are rebound candidates for next year. Like, DD should be rocketing up the list um Seeger's guys that that people are slowly starting to forget about where's Trevor Story come around right like all of these shortstop guys have obviously samples that have been solid uh whether it be in the last couple weeks or to start the season or at some point in between ultimately everyone's kind of pushing towards that playoff push um and these are where those mistake trades happen as you mentioned earlier buying high on you know, a guy exactly like Tatis right now um, isn't necessarily a bad thing because he's 20, but buying high on a guy like Didi could be, right? Because you just don't know where that cliff is, right? So um, I'm, I'm with you on that. And now do you want to take the segue into discussing some of the MLB trades that happened like we were supposed to last week, but we weren't in a mental place to do so. <laughs> and you, I, I can say who the trade was and you can say if there's something fantasy relevant about it or not yeah i like it okay so i'll go through and we'll add some in because there were more that came in um after this point um but we had earlier uh, we had uh Diekman, the rp from kansas city to oakland which really gives oakland a solid four uh four out of the out of the pen but for some reason kyle Hendricks has decided he's not good at baseball anymore and blake trinan has been trying to figure it out thank you any fantasy relevance with Deekman coming on board? Big lefty. Sorry, uh, big. Yeah, he's a big lefty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here, here's a guy that back in his peak Texas days, I was a huge fan of this guy. Um, I still see some of the value. He's obviously carrying enough in trades that, you know, there's some value there. I will say this. Every reliever I've touched this season has gone to crap. So I don't I'm know if it's him. fair for me <laughs> to comment on a relief pitcher. These guys have literally. No. <laughs> No, these guys, I should have. I mean, if he's, if he's turning to crap, then he might have accidentally ended up on a roster of mine. Um, 
I, I think any pitcher that goes from anywhere to Oakland automatically has more value. Um, Homer Bailey? Do you think Homer Bailey's better? Uh, he hasn't been, but but I think theoretically he should be, right? I mean, Homer, I agree. Homer like, Bailey's maybe not the best example because the question is whether Homer Bailey's still a major league pitcher. Uh, right right so yeah. you know that's that's the question there but i think any pitcher like tanner rourke's a great example right and i think deekman would be a guy like this too um the amount of, i bet you this is the big thing that that the front office looks at in oakland how many foul balls do these guys shoot down the line right i can't imagine that's not a spray chart that they keep right when they're talking about acquiring guys so ultimately i got to imagine that deekman was on their target list and uh, for me, that automatically makes them better just because they're going to get cheap outs. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, with Oakland, um, not just relievers, but Oakland pitchers to see if they're the kind of guy who has the fastball or the off-speed or the combo that can create foul balls. Because exactly. if, if, yeah, if they're out of bounds in other parks in Oakland, they can certainly be, uh, if they're high enough. They well, can and with that low three-quarter, you know, high-velocity lefty that, that Deakman is, like, he seems like a guy, especially to righties, that could get a whole bunch of cheap outs. Right, yeah. And depending on your format, obviously we're more prone to discuss deep dynasty guys because 25-man rosters uh, with 30 teams, there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of ways to win in different formats. So those are guys we're looking for. So uh, lesser lesser trade. We don't know the return, but um, Sogard to Tampa Bay. He, he is playing intermittently. I mean, Sogard is exactly Tampa Bay. He's Tampa Bay, the definition in, in the dictionary of what Tampa Bay is. Uh, they turned these guys that have mediocre ability into very functional players. So um, I, I don't think he has as much fantasy value as he does real-life value. I think he makes Tampa Bay better the team. I don't think he's going to make your fantasy team better. And nor is he trade bait, Glenn. I'm talking to you. Uh, you know, ultimately, <laughs> you know, Sogard is a real-life baseball player. And there's lots of those guys out there that make teams better. Um, and, and those guys often get missed, right? Like J.P. Aaron C.B., as much as that guy took a lot of crap, one of the best bad players at getting RBIs in from third, right? Didn't help us counting stats. But that guy consistently pounded the RBIs. So if you look back at his career, you'll be amazed at the number of RBIs that guy racked up for very few at-bats. Hmm. Interesting. So, Sogard's that kind of guy where, you know, outside of the fantasy value, like he's, he's more valuable, but inside the fa- fantasy valuable, uh, maybe not so much. Okay. And he definitely overachieved with his time in Toronto and, you know, good for him and anybody that had him and sold him. Good for you. I know a few leagues I picked him up in was not able to turn him by the deadline. And with Sogard now possibly filling a bench role in Tampa Bay, could see a slight decline, but good for him on his season. Hopefully he's able to get himself a major league deal in 2020. Uh, Jesus Aguilar also now in Tampa Bay because for some reason they need more first base DH options because Darno. Choi, uh, I don't know who the heck else they've been putting over there, aren't enough. So um, do you think Jesus Aguilar, I mean, we talked about how this has not been his year. Uh, talk about a guy who's fallen off a cliff. Um, we weren't buying him earlier on. If somebody's got him, what do you, are they getting help with this trade out of Milwaukee? This was a $0 acquisition for Tampa Bay. I mean, I think it hurt them nothing. Um, Fantasy-wise, we saw what he did in the first half of last year and, and 
you know, really have seen nothing at all since. Uh, I, I'm not buying. I just, there's too much risk at first base. Uh, I just, I, I would stay away. He, he, the option that he really fits right now is I lost my first baseman trade deadlines passed. He's available on, on waivers. That's where right. Aguilar fits. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of the, the reality. Okay. Uh, one that I, I just threw in cause I thought it was like two guys that I've never heard of. Um, so Christopher Negron to LA Dodgers for Daniel Castro, uh, minor leaguer goes to Seattle. I mean, I just want to say it. So uh, we talked about Stroman last <laughs> week. Uh, Brewers got Jordan Lyles from Pittsburgh. Yep. I don't. I don't know that that's really helping anybody unless you're in a real pinch for innings. I just. I feel like the Brewers are just in a position where, like, they did that big trade for Sabathia years ago, and they just refuse to make a big pitcher trade now. Right. Yeah. Like, I just. I don't know why. Like. Screw getting a good pitcher. Let's just pick up all this, you know, borderline SP4 stuff and see if we can piece it together. Um, I just I, – I don't get this move for a team that is clearly good enough to win. Yeah, they did not do a, you know, gotcha upgrade. They didn't do a Houston move, um, which we can discuss. So, yeah, so Lyle's coin flip, right, if he's going to be of use to you down the stretch. I mean, he, he's a guy that's going to get – get you some wins down the stretch. So category leagues, I think he's worth a look. Uh, I think he's going to give you serviceable innings, probably some quality starts with a little bit of confidence with an offense on the other side of the ball. Right. So I I like Jordan Lyles. Are you going to pay for him? No. Uh, If you can get a decent acquisition price, go for it. I think there's something there. Okay. David Phelps from Toronto to the Cubbies. I mean, Phelps has fallen down on the, the list as far as I mean, he wasn't getting saves holds really with Toronto, but now he um, he's on a, on a good team, maybe an uptick there or nothing. I think there's absolutely an uptick here. I mean, for Chicago, they're in desperate need of some bullpen support. Uh, I think this is an obvious win for Chicago. I think it's an obvious win for David Phelps's fantasy value. His numbers were actually quite good in Toronto with a couple Rocky outings mixed in. For the most part, he was very good, um, which matches what he was before out of the pen in Miami. So I think you're looking at probably the realistic 8 out of 10 outings are going to be excellent from Phelps with a couple blow-ups here and, here and there mixed in. Okay, so maybe less so in the Roto if he's going to have the blow-ups. But, um, I mean, who really worries about Roto? So uh, Atlanta picked up some relief help. They've got Martin from Texas, uh, Colby Allard, and Albert has – Al Lerd has already been called up to start pitching. This is a savvy move from Anthopolis. You know, as Jays fans, we've obviously seen what Anthopolis does. Um, this is a little bit outside of his MO in terms of the reliever acquisition, um, but it's right in line with trading prospects that aren't ever going to be major leaguers. Um, and, and for Allard, this is literally the worst trade that could have happened for him. Going to Texas as a soft-throwing guy, in a ballpark where balls stay in the air longer than they're supposed to. Not really yeah. a great combo for him. Um, I'm curious to see why Texas thought this was a good idea. Um, but I, I like Martin as a huge uptick being probably the sixth or seventh inning guy in Atlanta behind that really good rotation. He's going to get some really good opportunities to add save hold. Um, and, and as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he should be pretty valuable on the, uh, the ERA as well. 
Yeah. I mean, like you had said about Allard not getting the Ks, I think if you're in a points league, you're going to want to check your starts with him, maybe look for more road starts for Allard if you have the ability to pick and choose. And yeah, Martin to Atlanta. I mean, it, uh, they also got Shane Green from Detroit. Um, so that was the second move for Atlanta to bolster and Green's already blown a save. And coming back to Detroit, I know I screwed this up when I was talking about it earlier. So um, I'm just going to look it up. But jo- Joey uh, Wentz was the big piece in that, in that one. Uh, this yeah. is a buy low, you know, move for Detroit. I think they did well in this trade because as much as Wentz might be a buy low, Shane Green's a sell high. So, I yeah. mean, I think they ended up with a decent play here. You know, Green really pumped his value this year for Detroit. So, I, I like this move. I also, I think Al Avila, the GM in Detroit, is is a little bit sneaky this way. People don't really realize how well he's rebuilt that farm system in a very short period of time. It was in absolute shambles when he got there. And now they have guys like Isaac Paredes and Matt Manning and several other prospects, you know, don't forget about Casey Mize. They're, they're coming. They're years away, but they're pitching heavy. I was actually chatting about this with somebody yesterday. Um, Toronto and Detroit are perfect trade partners right now. Detroit very pitching heavy. Toronto very position player heavy. So there might be some good trades to be had there between the two organizations. But, you know, I think Joey Wentz is definitely a guy that – Way too many people in the fantasy community are willing to give up on already. This is our our very famous "Hello, my name is Post Hype." I think Joey Wentz <laughs> falls into that category. Yeah, and like I'm not sure. I'm just looking right now at Detroit's uh, rotation. So speaking of guys that Toronto has traded away, um, I hate that it consistently comes back to Toronto or Orientopolis for us. Um, but whatever, baseball is a small circle, and things happen. Matthew Boyd fronting that rotation right now. Daniel Norris. And then you've got Spencer Turnbull, who like he was very pleasant to start the year, and you know he's a pitcher, right? Jordan, or sorry, he's he's a an SP four, SP five at best, I think here. And then Drew Verhagen, who is now getting a shot, a twenty eight point eight years old, looking at roster resource here, and Tyler Alexander. And I know what you're saying. Who? He was the second round draft pick in 2015, so he could be of use here, getting getting himself in gear here. But like many other lower end and i mean lower end in the sense that team's not doing well this year detroit does not have a completely set rotation right now so we'll see if they add someone to that mix take one of those guys away um and like joey yeah joey wentz is where's he locking in here did he go to triple a um he should be triple a i would think if not carpenter hall burrows edwin jackson's in detroit now oh man well, I think that's yeah, good for you. It's Eddie. a really interesting trend you're starting to see in baseball, though. Rather than teams picking up a flurry of short relievers, they're actually starting to pick up failed starters. Starters, and just yeah. those teams that are out of it are just putting a pile of them. Like Toronto, Detroit are great examples. Um, they have nine starters rather than five starters and eight bullpen pieces, right? So it's really interesting to see that dynamic change a little bit. It's allowing managers to get a little more creative. I don't love it. I, I'm a big fan of the starter going out there and throwing the CG on the board, but um, you know, it's not what's happening right now. So uh, yeah, we know those days are kind of done now. They, nobody wants to see uh, somebody, a pitcher go through the rotation that third time, except for the Beebs. The Beebs is pounding CGs. True. True. So just to quickly cap here, uh, you're bang on about Detroit being pitchy, pitching heavy double a rotation. Oh, it's beautiful. Casey Mize, Matt Manning, 
Joey Wentz, Alex Fadu, and Alex Lange or Lang. Um, nobody is has hit 24 years of age right there. And then their their bullpen type guys, Kyle Funkhauser, Logan Shore, who um, I guess I guess he's a a failed starter now. But an interesting name here is Tariq Skubal, who I had read something that he, I think he's he's just under 40 innings pitch for this year, and having uh, a hell of a time with Case. He's got I think over 65 Ks this year, so he's somebody in a deep league. I don't think he's starting because of where he's looking here on roster resource, but for a guy out of your bullpen who might be able to get you you know 14 plus K per nine. That might be a guy to look at in a Detroit system or sorry, in a Detroit pitching staff who clearly will be looking for arms. Oh man, they have Trevor Rosenthal right now in Detroit. Like you just said, Tyler, pick, picking up anybody and everybody. So Joe Jimenez, Buck Farmer, who uh, I know a lot of people think, you know, Buck Farmer is, is nobody from nowhere, but um, sometimes these guys that just kick around bullpens on the same team end up finding themselves getting those opportunities and then they find themselves as the seventh or eighth inning guy. They don't have to be the closer, especially if you're playing save holds, but counting stats, lots lots of different category things they can really Well, the big off. thing that a lot of fantasy owners miss is transitioning from a, a, a starter, which most of these, if not all of these guys were their entire lives, to a bullpen piece is is a tough transition, right? Like changing your routine, your rotation that you've known your whole life, um, adding and and changing to your repertoire, changing velocities, which is going to change the depth of your pitches, right? So, you know, those are big adjustments, and sometimes they take a couple extra years, and it seems silly, but it is an adjustment for some of these guys. Some of them react immediately, and other guys take a little bit longer. But that's something to pay attention to to get some of those steals, like you're saying those guys that shift into the bullpen like a buck farmer and maybe take four years before they really become an elite reliever. Absolutely. And something that I've been trying to figure out, but again, um, for those who have been following along, uh, I had some computer issues and I ended up losing an awful lot of the data I was trying to collect in some different areas. And one of those areas was college pitchers who become relievers versus high school or international players who become relievers. And from what I was gathering, the international players that become relievers become relievers at a much younger age. And the college pitchers seem to have a much higher level of success than the high school guys that come over. And this was, I, I did not get very far back into this data because again, there's a lot of it. And <laughs> I basically just picked the top hundred relievers and then went back through and to see what they were. And one of the things is, I believe that sometimes when you transition from high school to college and you're breaking onto your college team, you're not the weekend starter or a weekend starter. You might start on a Tuesday and then be a reliever over the weekend. So you're still able to pitch for the team because the, typically they only have uh, one or two weekday games. And then, you know, the weekends is when they're primarily playing. And I know this to be true of a guy like Ricky Romero, who learned to start on uh, Tuesdays, the odd time when he was a freshman and then, uh, a reliever on the weekends so he wasn't playing a whole lot and it's a really interesting dynamic to look at to think if you draft a college guy are his chances higher than a high school guy well yes but why and i think a big part of that might be that they could potentially be a better or more prone reliever than a high school guy who never got to do that until say they're 23 and they failed at double a you know they kind of puttered out at double a but they don't want to give up on pro ball yeah, and I mean, the other way around, too, I think a trend that you're starting to see a little bit, too, is major league teams are starting to target elite relievers in college as well. 
right? Marcus Stroman's a guy. Um, and there's a couple others that are, are slipping my mind right now, but I've noticed that trend start to happen as well. Guys going the other way, turning them into starters because they have low mileage. And a lot of those guys are generally position players that are getting innings as well in college, right? So maybe that guy that thought he could still hit in college and all of a sudden major league teams saying, yeah, you're not going to hit at the pro level, but we see with a little bit of work, you could be a very, very good starter for us. So um, Stroman's a great example, played second base at Duke, uh, obviously a very good starter at the pro level right now. So um, he also was their closer. So, you know, there's guys like that that are out there. Uh, who Who is it in the, the Cincy system? Hunter Green is the back and forth yeah. guy as well too. Yeah. Another great example of a kid that, that has both sides of the ball. Uh, Brandon McKay is a guy that's both sides of the ball. So I think you're just starting to see teams op- be open-minded again for the first time in a very long time about guys that are on both sides. Yeah. And speaking of Cincinnati, so the last deal that we'll discuss, there were several others, the Tanner Rourke deal, which you did briefly discuss, um, they were, Cincinnati was able to get back the second round pick from Oakland last year. Um, don't have the pitcher's name in front of me right now because I accidentally erased it. But uh, I thought that was just kind of interesting when people are talking about the return on different players. And if you're thinking about second round picks or this or that, um, that Tanner Roark, who has not had his best year, but has been serviceable. The last month has been rough for him. He was able to garner a second round pick. Um, back, but so. here, here's the thing. I had this conversation because I own him in our home league with, with one of the guys in that league about acquiring him. And I said, here's the thing. He's, he's leaving the least friendly pitchers park in all of baseball in Cincinnati. And he's going to one of, if not the most pitcher friendly park in Oakland. So, you know, his value is automatically going to be inflated. Uh, And and like I said, he, he just fits that mold of guys that grind it out. And then all of a sudden become superstars in Oakland. Whoa. I don't know that I would put that superstar tag on him, but I've had him for a couple years when he was a national and for the life of me, he's the type of guy in fantasy that I think everybody thinks less of. But again, when you look at the end of the year and you look at the numbers, totally fine. Well, here's the thing. You're a superstar in Oakland. If you have SP and a number in front of your position instead of IL. (laughs) So, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he he's a free agent after this year. So I was going to say, I don't know if he fits into the plans there long-term, but um, there's certainly nothing wrong if your trade deadline's coming up and you're looking for somebody who's a starter, whose numbers look underwhelming. So the team that owns him doesn't have a whole lot of leverage, depending on your contractual status with uh, with your league format. He's certainly somebody who I would look at thinking, okay, his ERA or his numbers have been this, that, or the other. Like you said, Ty, you can start to shave those numbers off consistently. doesn't mean he's going to strike more guys out, but he also is at a perfectly good defense. He's got a pretty good third baseman and Matt Chapman over there for some of the balls in play. I think this is a safe bet on a guy you're going to want to go ahead and find yourself acquiring um, who might be looking like the ugly duck right now. Yep, I totally agree with that one. So Cincinnati... Obviously traded for Bauer. Um, he's an interesting guy, not having his best year. San Diego gets Taylor Trammell, um, who's been perfectly fine this year, but I guess he's supposed to bat 400 and slug 600 to make everybody happy. Like every and, prospect. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so uh, Trammell goes to San Diego, and then Cleveland's Hall is uh, Reyes, Logan Allen, Puig, uh, Nova, and... Uh, someone moss 
who's a very far off international pro- prospect, I believe. Um, but what, what do you think of this one? I mean, fantasy relevance. We know Tramel highly regarded prospect. I mean, for me, this, this is the trade that I wanted to see Toronto make. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, obviously Bowers probably a tick above Stroman, right? But, you know, in theory, yes, but not in 2019 stats. Well, I I like the Logan, talked about it. I like the Logan Allen acquisition. I think yeah. that's the key oh, to this trade for Cleveland. Uh, Puig is obviously a combination of outfield depth and a money dump. Um, and and I think Fermil Reyes is a is a wild card, right? I mean, I think it hurts my boy Tyler Naquin more yeah, than any 20. anything. Well, and I think Reyes can become the like, like Vogelbachy twenty-three-year-old DH because he's a, he's a big body boy who who hits the ball. Um, and in San Diego, like I I don't know what was going on with Hunter Renfro, but he just refused to lose his job this year. So, um, you know, the playing time wasn't there in San Diego consistently. And I know a lot of guys in Dynasty who were jacked about Reyes before the season, crossed their fingers during the year, and should now be celebrating that he should get every day at bats down the stretch. But like you said, at the cost of Tyler Naquin, who's done nothing but perform. Yep. I agree. And it's the second time in Naquin's career he gets it, th- gets it rolling a little bit and gets snuffed yeah, out. Guess, by, yeah. by the, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, it, it's really, for me, that's the trade. I mean, Yazi Puig, I think is, is a guy that could be uh, an absolute folk hero in Cleveland. If somehow he was able to stick around there, there's a town that could just eat him up. Uh, it's it, well, look how much they love. What's it? Baker Mayfield. The, the absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's a perfect spot for, for Puig. It's the right amount of attention. They love baseball in Cleveland without the LA Dodgers hoopla uh, you get in the major, major market. So, I'd like to see him stick there. I just think it would be really good for him uh, to hang there. And I think Francona, very underrated as a superstar manager. Um, I, I like that there. Uh, I'd be curious to see if, if he sticks long-term or not. That might be the thing, because I would say Francona, I wouldn't say he's underrated. I would think he's Hall of Famer. Uh, I just mean in terms of managing a superstar. Oh, okay. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah. I was just going to say. I, I feel like he's the perfect guy to have – a potential problem you know we don't know Puig as a person but the reports and things like that a potential problem in the dressing room uh, because that's what managers are supposed to do is manage the people so he might be you know the perfect one to execute those things and clearly Trevor Bauer um, is somebody who goes outside the realm right he's on social media all the time but he's on social media as the troll which we know and discussed earlier is not a good thing to be on, on Twitter doing um, he's a different cat and maybe Puig is somebody that would get along great um, with Franco Tito as he's known. Um, but so just really quickly here, Tyler Naquin's line, like he, he was injured for a period of time this year. So 218 at bats, uh, 28 runs, nine home runs, 31 RBIs, four stolen bases, 10 Ks, 54 K or sorry, 10 walks, 54 Ks. So whatever for that, but 289, and 811 OPS, perfectly good player. But the last month, he's been 50 at bats um, and has been able to hit all the all the categories. Now, one walk in the last month to 12 Ks, but average tie, 367 OPS, 965. 
Yep, that's what I mean. I've been on this guy for a while. I mean, there's a ball player there. I feel bad for the guy because uh, he's worked his tail off and uh, got nothing for it. But, I mean, I, I still think this is a smart baseball trade for Cleveland, regardless of what it does to Taylor Naquin. makes them better uh, short and long. I, I really like the Allen and, and Reyes acquisitions. I'm not as high on Reyes as some other people are. But at the same time, I wasn't high on Carlos Santana, so maybe the Indians know something we don't. Um, trying to get him back into that, you know, way of doing things that he had in Cleveland there. So, uh, all in all, I think it's going to make Cleveland a very formidable foe down the stretch here. Minnesota's got to be a little scared of their inability to acquire starting pitcher. Bruce Gratterall sounds like he's right around the corner. So, that AL Central is going to be really interesting coming down the stretch. Yeah, considering everybody had just kind of signed Cleveland up to take the division before the year started, even though they didn't do anything, it seems like they may have been just waiting to see what they had. Um, I just noticed this right now from a couple hours ago. Uh, looks like Cardinals uh, starting pitcher Alex Reyes may not pitch again in 2019. Do we have a shocked noise? Uh, no, but we do have the... <laughs> The Tommy John Express, and no, it's not a Tommy John appearance, but is a pectoral muscle uh, is what the reports were. Um, you beat me to it. I did have it on my list to talk about. Oh, okay. okay. But right. it's, uh, it's a guy that is why you never fall in love with prospects, right? We talk about it yeah. all the time. Major leaguers are what win you championships. Yeah, if you look back on lists from, I think, even 16, possibly even 15, you're going to see Reyes' name jumping up in the top 100s on a lot of sites and a lot of guys who want to be the high guy on uh, one player end up being the high guy on the wrong player sometimes. And, and Reyes might end up being the wrong player for a lot of guys. Yep. Um, prospect fatigue for this guy has certainly set in with everybody else. Um, yeah, so that's it for the notable trades. I mean, we, we saw Mike Leak go um, to from, sorry, from Seattle to the angels, I believe is where he went. He's his father's ill. Um, so there's something going on with that too. or sorry to Arizona. Um, his father's ill. We did see jazz Chisholm for Zach gallon. Do you have any comment on that? I really liked seeing that deal. That's a great baseball trade. That's two teams dealing depth. Uh, I, I, I like that. I think Miami bought really low on Jazz Chisholm. And, I mean, we've talked about it before. I know they've got uh, Isam Diaz, who who's off to a pretty good start. But yeah, just not, called up. Good for him. Not sure he's the answer long-term. So, regardless of whether he is or isn't, Miami adding depth up the middle, which they desperately need um, in their farm system. So, I think really good trade for Miami. Um, Zach Gallon going to Arizona to add to the Luke Weaver um, – who am I missing? Bukakis that went in the Granky trade. Uh, <laughs> Kelly. But but no, like they've got the potential for Duplantier, uh, Robbie Ray, Weaver, Gallon for next year. Um, I'm sure we're forgetting somebody. That's I don't think there. Robbie Ray makes it through all of next year if he even makes it to next year with Arizona. Well, they did talk about him like being one of those should be traded for sure guys. So yeah, I, I don't disagree. He's going to start to cost more as a, um, I mean, he's only what two years removed from being a major disappointment to a major than last year, major break breakout or two years ago, the major breakout. And then last year up and down. So um, yeah, volatile pitching. He just screams in, uh, Yankee acquisition that doesn't pan out. Just screams <laughs> it. Like James a, Paxton. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Who called that one? <laughs> you. 
You did. did absolutely. I I saw that one coming. Lefties with heaters in in Yankee Stadium rarely pan out, with the exception of Randy Johnson, who is obviously Randy Johnson. Next, yeah, next level guy. We're talking. Um, so some of the other moves, very minor. Uh, Mariners claimed Keon Broxton off waivers. These obviously now we're getting over a week ago with these moves. I've seen uh, Broxton with his under two hundred batting average hit a home run, and I laughed. Uh, Philly signed Blake Parker. Minnesota released um, Cody Allen, which hurts me in several dynasty leagues where I believe that relief pitchers were the way to build. Um, and we did mention off the top that Zach Godley was picked up by the Blue Jays. Cincinnati grabbed Kevin Gosman from Atlanta as well, which was an interesting one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only other one to know. And I mean, that's a guy, if you want to look at streams down the stretch, could have some interesting road starts uh, for Cincinnati because they still have enough offense there to get some cheap wins. So just a uh, a going away present there on the Kevin Gosman acquisition. Yeah, and something to note for people who are looking at Jack Flaherty, it might be a little late, especially now, but his last 31-plus innings, his ERA has been under one. Whip, remarkable. Decimal, 7-3. Um, great K-to-strike ratio, 49 Ks to 10 walks. It, it's a good thing. I got to uh, give credit to Eric Cross on Twitter, Eric Cross04, um, who put that tweet in front of my eyes right before we got on. Um, and also Austin Riley headed to the IL. So maybe, maybe our third base scenario was based around Austin Riley with a knee ligament issue. So then you decided you needed to make your list of five guys. Yeah, and, and that's a five, five guys that I would love to own. And... Uh... You know, hoping to to acquire more than just the one that I have. I love third baseman. That's my jam. So until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler with Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.